May all that you stand for and that we stand for be preserved under the providence of God for the happiness of mankind. The trouble is caused by unthinking people who carelessly throw away ageless ideals as if they were old and outworn machines. But it is the values of individual liberty, equality before the law and the supremacy of people over the state to which we can always with confidence return as a powerful and uniting force. Australia is not a secular country. It is a free country. G'day and welcome to Pello Talk. Uh, I'm Dave Pello, and today uh, we've got all of our panellists uh, in the studio, nobody coming to us from the internet, internet video, etc. So I'd like to welcome to the studio uh, Bernard Gaynor, Damien Curry, and Matthew Littlefield. Welcome, gentlemen. Hey, Thanks, Thanks for having us, Dave. Now, today we are going to be talking about, uh, first up and, and probably for the most of the conversation, uh, Bernard Gaynor's particular crusade um, battle for righteous outcomes against a imperialistic, it's the only way to really describe it, it it's very accurate, the, the lawfare activist who's um, really taken it upon himself to persecute Bernard uh, for holding traditional Christian opinions, uh, things and ideas that most of us in the nation agree with. And uh, Bernard has uh, really counted the cost and paid a lot of price for refusing to back down and refusing to surrender territory uh, to the enemy of the nation's souls. This ideology uh, that says gender confusion uh, and sexual confusion is normal. Um, that is the enemy of the nation, this uh, perverse idea, which is really epidemic uh, amongst our, our young people. Um, and I think to the last man on this panel, we have a lot of empathy and compassion for people experiencing those confusions. And what we will not tolerate, though, um, are bad ideas. Uh, there's infinite tolerance. I, I like the way James McPherson says this. Tolerance is for people, not for bad ideas. Um, ideas uh, should be debated and uh, wide up for discussion. Uh, tolerance is for people, always for people. Uh, but tolerance is never for ideas. Uh, ideas are good and bad, and uh, we need to be honest and able to, um, without any ego or, or self-esteem, you know, preciousness invested in it, be able to pursue truth together. Uh, because if I'm persuaded that I'm wrong, then I've won. I've been helped, I've been blessed, I've been increased by removing the liability of ignorance. Um, and so telling me my ideas are wrong is not something uh, a, a humble person can ever take the wrong way or be offended by. It's, it should be seen as an act of love. Of course, there are people who are malicious and nasty about it, and that's not our intent today. For the record, the first 10 to 15 minutes of this show will be sensor-friendly, big tech-friendly, uh, and then uh, the live stream after we've finished the full hour will actually be deleted and at about the 10 to 15 minute mark, um, that recording will be replaced on YouTube and, and Facebook. But the whole show, uncensored, gloves off, will be uh, available on the website, goodsource.news. Uh, you'll be able to see that there. This is uh, what it looks like on the website. Uh, the thumbnail there of Bernard and the word victory. Find that for the full and unedited version of um, today's video. 
so we'll cut to the uh, uh, not safe for sensors version in about 10 minutes. But um, Bernard, uh, let's actually start by um, you outlining for those people and, and Damien and Matt, feel free to jump in and, and ask Bernie questions uh, if, they, if you want any clarity on this. I'm familiar with it, um, known Bernie for a very long time. I think uh, we first met on a political campaign for the LNP federally in 2010. Are you about right, something like that. Uh, so about 12 years now and, um, <laughs> and uh, you've certainly had uh, a long, a very effective number of of uh, wins in the public debate, um, gathering a lot of followers, a lot of people interested to hear you articulate uh, a, a traditional Australian view on, on many different political issues. But this last one has really captured eight years of of your time and, and your life. Um, so why don't you tell us, uh, I guess, a, a very brief intro about yourself and also then a more detailed intro on where this all went. Sure. Well, first of all, Dave, I'd like to say uh, thanks to you. Uh, I won't go into the details of what you've done to assist me because I get a bit gun shy about that because there are people who watch and they target. But uh, you know what you've done to support me, and I just really want to thank you for that. My but pleasure. this uh, this battle started in 2014. Uh, I believe in a traditional family unit, and there are other people in Australia who don't. Uh, you think you could have a debate about it, but we actually have uh, terrible laws that create a thought police. And so since 2014, I have been subject to 41 complaints under the New South Wales Anti-Discrimination Act, even though I live in Queensland, uh, and even though I proved in 2017 and 2018 that the entire system to persecute me uh, was unconstitutional. I won 7-0 in the High Court uh, over that. Uh, New South Wales then passed laws which they've decided retrospectively and extraterritorially apply to conduct in Queensland and other states. Uh, and it has taken eight years to finally uh, see off these 41 complaints. And if you want a, an understanding of how absurd and farcical this situation is, these complaints have included the complainants, Gary Burns, complaining about his own comments, which he left on my Facebook page, lodging a complaint uh, that they vilified him, his own comments. So he goes to your web page, your Facebook page. Yes. He makes a comment. Yes. And then he makes an official complaint to the New South Wales Anti-Discrimination Tribunal about comments which he wrote on your Facebook page. Yes. And you get in trouble. Uh, well, the Anti-Discrimination Board of New South Wales, the Thought Police down there, decided that Gary Byrne's comments constituted vilification, but because they were on my Facebook page, uh, I was responsible for them. Uh, that's how absurd this whole situation is. Uh, and I've faced a potential $100,000 fine <laughs> for those comments. Uh, so all up 41 complaints, uh, they are all now dismissed. Uh, and I think most Australians will just look at this and see that here is a guy who is obsessed. Uh, I thank him. Gary, you're probably the most avid reader out of all the people in Australia. You've read more than anybody else on my website. Uh, so thanks for that. But... Um, you know, they just look at this guy and say he's obsessed. But what they would get really upset about, because I don't think many people really understand how these laws work, is that he has not had to pay a cent in costs for his 41 complaints. And worse than that, he has boasted publicly that he is lodging complaints against me to bankrupt me and lodging complaints against me to cause me financial harm. Uh, 
And every single bureaucrat and every single uh, official within the justice system that I've been before has received the evidence of those uh, statements and they have done nothing about it. So why why is this guy got this vendetta against you? What's, what's the story? Uh, well, actually, that's an interesting question. The reason he got a vendetta against me uh, is because I actually helped someone else that he was complaining against. Uh, her name is Tess Corbett. So Gary Burns has been doing this for 20 years. Uh, and you can understand why, in a sense, when you understand the system. It is free to lodge complaints, $100,000 fine. Fine goes to the complainant. Whoa. It's in a system where the bureaucrats believe that you can complain about your own comments. The so fine goes to the complainant. Complainant. That's insane. The, okay. the, the, and. This is the New South Wales anti-discrimination laws, isn't it? Yeah, but these are very similar across every state. Right, okay. And it's in a no-cost jurisdiction. So if you lose, uh, you have great difficulty uh, or if if you defend yourself, it's very difficult to recover costs. So essentially what you have is a free gravy train uh, to take assets of other people. And the only people who are allowed to make use of it are homosexuals or people with HIV, uh, et cetera, like that in New South Wales. So that's what it's for. So straight white people have no protection under the anti-discrimination law in New South Wales. Um, not that I'm advocating that they should. I think these laws should be scrapped. But you have to understand why people do it. It is a gravy train, right. okay? And on top of that, the system itself uh, is run by activists as well. So you have activists looking after activists. Uh, it is a terrible system. And to give you an example of that, uh, to become a judge these days, you have to have a high-profile legal career, as always. But generally, the way you get that is in a high-profile law firm. Mm. Uh, to become a senior member in a high-profile law firm uh, where you could be selected to become a judge, you have to tow the high-profile law firm's social policies and agendas, and they're all promoting uh, various rainbow ideologies. So we just don't get judges today uh, that are unbiased. We get, by and large, the legal fraternity is filled with people who either 100% believe this stuff, okay, because that's the only way they're getting promoted, or they know they're only going to get promoted if they promote it themselves so and so they have to hide who they are or they have to essentially um you know give up the fight on that area or whatever it is so we have a biased yeah. legal system that hears these complaints right so what was his original complaint against you and what I mean, you said 41 41 complaints <laughs> what's the theme of those sure so uh after i helped tess corbett who was a victorian grandmother uh, political candidate down there he then uh, began targeting me. So his very I first. I assume she was a conservative. Or... She was a conservative, okay. yes. And... So she uh, and uh, and I was very glad to help her because eventually we got her off with the win in the high court that the system was unconstitutional. Uh, but he then started lodging complaints against me, and his first complaint against me was actually about content on another web page that I had no control over at all. It was Larry Pickering's web page, oh, late Larry Pickering, yeah. and uh, this just highlights his obsession. The moment he realised that that comment that he was concerned about was not actually written by me or controlled by me, he had two options. He could amend the complaints to um, uh, direct it to the correct person right. who would have been Larry Pickering. Right. Um, but he chose a second option, which was, oh, I'm actually not really interested in the vilification. I'm interested in targeting Bernie Gaynor. So I'm going to drop the complaint altogether. And that's when he went to my Facebook page and he 
put out a press release saying I had said the things that were on the comments on Larry Pickering's page, which right. I'd never done. And then he highlighted the words that he put on my Facebook page and lodged a complaint with the Anti-Discrimination Board. And the Anti-Discrimination Board said those words constitute vilification. It doesn't matter that Gary Burns himself wrote them. I have to answer for them because they're on my Facebook page. That's interesting because the new changes to our defamation laws recently, um, there was, a, I think, a high court decision around defamation that also means that anything anybody posts on your page is your responsibility, um, which is quite hasn't been tested yet, of course, but it's uh, it's it's uh, it's it's open. The judgment that is out there. Yeah, and that, that is the interpretation currently. So. Well, I'll... Is that as in a public page, like sort of like if you have like, you know, the organization page, or is that just your Facebook profile? Your Facebook profile. So any social media page that you have that can be, because defamation can occur if there's only one other person hearing it. So the size of audience doesn't matter. Um, so whether you've got your settings on private or public doesn't matter. Anything that is that somebody writes on your page that's defamatory to somebody else now, technically, um, under this sort of common law, uh, means that you know you, you could you could be taken to court for that and be responsible for that. So we're being so treated as the publishers. We're being treated yes. as the publishers, not Facebook or Google or YouTube or anything. Although they act as publishers by editing everything that that's, that they choose to edit. Yeah. Um, so you yeah, we, we've got the worst of both worlds going on at the moment in terms of the balance between free speech and uh, and and. Um, uh, people's right to their reputation being protected. So, it's yeah. not, we, we, so on, on so coming back to your story, I sorry, think it's mate. a good time to actually cut to the uh, censor censorship free version of this. Now, if you're watching live, you don't need to change anything. But uh, if you're watching this recording after uh, the live version has gone out and delayed stream on Facebook or YouTube, uh, this is where the uh, censor safe version ends. Um, we're not going to support Facebook or YouTube by pretending to self-censor for the rest of this episode. Uh, it's live on Rumble. It's going to stay there as it is going live. That video is now embedded in goodsource.news on the website there. Head over there, support goodsource.news, the website, uh, become a sponsor, subscribe to the email updates, and watch the rest of this conversation there. As I said, if you're watching live, you don't need to go anywhere or do anything uh, we will stay right here for the rest of this hour before we delete these videos off those censorious big tech, big brother uh, websites. Um, what were you going to say just now, Bernie? Yeah, so one of the things I was really happy with about on Friday's decision was uh, I'm very concerned about the effort to treat anti-discrimination law as defamation law. Okay, so most of the complaints against me really uh, were quasi-defamation complaints, uh, but he chose the anti-discrimination system because it's free, okay, and it's much better for him. Uh, now, uh, one thing I would say, defamation law and anti-discrimination law are two different things. Defamation is about harm. It's about personal injury. Much to, test, yeah. Well, but it's about a different thing. It is about injuring someone's reputation, and which is why... Uh, if I write something in Queensland and it defames someone in New South Wales, it harms their reputation in New South Wales, the words have an impact in New South Wales. Under anti-discrimination law, there is no test of harm, okay? It, it is uh, – I was in a system where supposedly it's unlawful to incite vilification, okay? But they, the courts have ruled that no, vilification, uh, no incitement actually has to occur in another person. 
So it, there's actually no harm in the test to an at individual. all. You were making a general comment. And it's about a it's about, about a group of people. Yeah. Okay. Can can we touch on what that was uh, without sort of? Sure. Well, well, no, I'm, I'm very happy comment. to talk about it because I've been found uh, not to have vilified Gary Burns under the anti discrimination. That's actually the headline. I just want to keep touching on this throughout here, um, but just to inje- in, interject that it's forty one zero. Forty one zero. You have prevailed forty one times. Gary Burns has been found to have a valid complaint zero out of 41 times. That's correct. Does, does that cost him anything? doesn't cost him anything. So it's so there's, there's literally no incentive for people to do the right thing on that side. You can just accuse anyone that you want to harm. That's correct. So you don't have to defame someone now. And, and that's why them, we've used just... the word lawfare in the titles and description of this show is because it's, it's, um, it's actively weaponizing a system that was designed perhaps even if we attribute the best of intentions to the framers of the laws and the anti-discrimination industry generously, um, it's certainly being misused and abused and weaponized to harm people uh, maliciously. Well, if I know- oh, so just on, on this, so as I've said, he's lodged complaints about his own comments yeah. that he left under his name on Facebook. But um, it is obvious to anybody who pays attention that it is possible to set up a fake account and leave comments under the name of a fake account. And there's virtually no way a defendant would be able to know or even prove who that fake account belonged to. So it is prone, and I say it's susceptible and wide open to um, malicious complaints. And I'll give you an example of what, what I mean by that. Now, I don't have any proof of this. It's hard to prove it. But I've got what I will say is that these circumstances are entirely suspicious. So one day in about 2014 or 2015, late 2014, I received... Numerous emails from Gary Burns in the morning boasting that I was about to receive more complaints, okay? And then in the afternoon, a comment was left on my Facebook page under an account called Real Gary Burns, okay? Now, I don't know who operated that account, no idea at all, but it left a comment on my Facebook page. Within an hour, and I was receiving thousands of comments a week at that time because I was writing a lot. Within an hour, Gary Burns had screenshotted that comment and posted a complaint to the anti-discrimination board, mm. okay? And now I don't know who operated Real Gary Burns and that account then disappeared, okay? But I I just think the whole thing is very weird and suspicious. 41 times, can't you now sort of counterclaim against him harassment? Or I mean, there's a whole bunch of laws out there now that, you know, uh, <laughs> we could be using it. We should be arming anti-coercion uh, laws. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I mean, it's, financial it's, manipulation. This is, this is yeah. a, a obvious, obvious. It would have to be obvious to any judge. Well, you just worth it. Well, no. Let me say how yeah. obvious it is. So we now. I won this case on Friday. We're now going to have a hearing on costs, which is going to happen. I think on the fourth of November or twenty. I can't, can't remember the exact date. The magistrate in the local court has limited my submissions on costs to two pages double-spaced. Why? Because she doesn't want to deal with any of the legal issues here. That's what my view is. And she, look, 41 times, well, let's say before this was 36 times, his complaint's been thrown out. So I won the last five. No costs. I can tell you the system is intent on protecting him from costs. How much is all of this costing you, if you don't mind me? It's cost me about $600,000 now. That's incredible. 
you said before you won a high court case, which proves, if I heard you correctly, you're saying it proves these laws are not even lawful. So what happened was in in 2017, the New South Wales Court of Appeal, and in 2018, the High Court ruled that the New South Wales Civil and Administrative Tribunal did not have power under the Constitution to hear the complaints against me. It said that the whole system, i.e. of using New South Wales anti-discrimination law to go after people outside New South Wales, was unconstitutional. Okay. So, so what happened was New South Wales then passed a new law, created a new system, and they are using that new system to retrospectively come after me. That's what happens. Which would need to and be I just again won- challenged in the High Court. Well, I've tried to challenge that, and the High Court and the Court of Appeal have decided they're not so much interested in that one. They've said this new system is constitutional. The question of whether it's retrospective is something that has not been tested in a high court, the local court magistrate, you said, yeah, we've got retrospective power, which I don't believe they do. There's no provision in the law that's retrospective. Um, but just to give you an example, of, I think how corrupt the system is, um, th- these are the facts. The only person in this eight-year saga who was admitted to breaching the anti-discrimination law, uh, anti-discrimination uh, uh, act in New South Wales is actually the former acting president of the New South Wales Anti-Discrimination Board. Elizabeth Wing is her name. She is currently the Chief Operating Officer of the New South Wales Bar Association. She admitted that she failed under her responsibilities in Section 90C to provide me progress reports about her investigations, okay? So she broke, she's admitted that she failed to meet her duties under the Act. She's the only person in this whole saga um, to, to admit that. She was, she's running this whole show. Okay, the only organisation found to have acted unlawfully is the tribunal that first started hearing complaints against me, the New South Wales Civil and Administrative Tribunal, only organisation to have found to have been acting unlawfully. The only person who has had to retract and apologise for their words in these 41 complaints is the judge I just sat before who made unprovoked derogatory defamatory slurs about my solicitor and me during the course of these proceedings, and she had to withdraw them and apologise. So I was on trial, but it was the judge's words that were found to be wrong, and she admitted that. But I had been found after 41 cases. I've had to apologise. I haven't been found to be doing anything unlawful. It is the people running the show that have been humiliated in, in this um, period. But it's that is completely corrupt. We've had a judge recused... Uh, or a magistrate recused in the tribunal because uncontested evidence was presented that she was meeting with Gary Burns, okay? This is the Whoa. magistrate. In one, in, in one of my cases okay. in the Supreme Court, I've had a tip staff in the Supreme Court communicate with Gary Burns on a private email address that was never registered with the court. Now, you tell me how the tip staff got that email address. What communications that were sent on it have never been revealed. Right. I, I say this whole thing stinks. Yeah, wow. Uh, you, you know, it's more than just bad laws. When, right. uh, when you have bad laws yeah. and a bad culture like that, yeah. it's just completely rotten. Yeah. This is a cultural thing that's ingrained in the system and the organisation. The, the law is designed to give bad actors broad powers. Well, it, it's it's not about... Uh, they're operating outside the law in this case if they're doing these things that have been... Th- th- this thing was never about legality. It's always about politics. And so, for instance, one of the complaints... Um, against me, not one, it was one of the earlier ones, but it wasn't the first one, was I wrote an article criticising naked men standing in front of kids at pride parades, now, which happens, and I published the photos of it. Shouldn't that be illegal? It should be illegal. Uh, well, it's, it's a, it should be. It is actually, there are laws 
for um, indecent exposure, et cetera, in New South Wales. Uh, so now here's, here's the problem with it, though. When this happens at Pride it was Parades. A, appropriate in America. Yeah, it was, photo. yeah, it was yeah. in um, San Francisco and Toronto in Canada. San Francisco, say no more. But so you watch at these Pride Parades, you can find photos like this all the time, okay? The police are there. They are marching in the parade, okay? So it's just the whole thing is rotten, Uh you know, but, but what, what I found really troubling was not so much that Gary Burns decided that he was offended that I criticised his behaviour. I mean, we would expect that of a person like Gary Burns. What I found really troubling was that the New South Wales bureaucracy overseeing this said that that complaint was a valid complaint and that behaviour deserved protection from criticism. Mm -hmm. So this is all about politics um, and promoting a, an evil reprehensible agenda. Yeah, so he, here's where I think, um, you know, as a speaking as somebody who's quite, I've always been quite tolerant of of the gay community, and here's where I think uh, Are so we probably tolerant of the people or the ideas. Um, tolerant. Well, do you want to get into that discussion? <laughs> um, You're a libertarian, right? No, okay. no, I'm a classical liberal. Uh, I would okay. define myself as I wouldn't define myself. I'm too pro. I believe in government. Okay. I believe we need a certain amount of government. I find some of the libertarian libertarians to be a little too far uh, to the libertarian. A side. little too liberal. A little too liberal. <laughs> um, okay. No, I'm a pretty ordinary middle of the road Aussie, and I, I, so you know, I've got no problem. I, I, my view is that you know, there's a small percentage of the population who are born uh, with different sexual orientation, and they should be not vilified. That's it. Um, well, I agree. Now, nobody should be vilified. No. Including Bernard. Yes, but no, no, well, exactly. <laughs> now, my point is this. We are getting to a point with this LGBTQI++ nonsense that all of the good work that was done in the 1970s and 80s for acceptance and understanding has turned into celebration and the, and, and the, vice, and the vice of pride. And forced And now in position... Now we've got this gender garbage yep. being imposed upon kids at school mm. and we've got the drag queen thing and we've got this display of, of and the abuse of children and, and boy, uh, that's where I really get cranky. And, and I'm sorry, but this is damaging and I think there are a lot of people um, in the, a lot of conservative gay people uh, in the conservative gay community who need to stand up and say, this is not okay. I mean, the very notion that LGBTIQ plus is a community is nonsense. I mean, a community is something that, you know, comes from your circle of friends, your family, your... Has some it, geographic relations has, with each other. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, or connectivity or relationship or something that's not based on identity politics measures, right? So it's yep. not, you don't have a community. And and the, the idea that, you know, <laughs> I mean, if anybody who knows anything about the... the uh, lesbian community or the gay community, gay male community or the bisexual community as they keep going or you know that, that there's a lot of conflict between a lot of those groups and there always was um so the idea that this is now one You're right they should know, be called a unified a, kumbaya group is just hilarious did you, did you see but, the feminists uh, the, the, was it uh, lesbians who are marched out of the, uh, the the gay pride parade i think in the uk did you did you see well, I, I remember i was working in the 2ue newsroom for a little while uh, in 1990, I think when I left Channel 10, 
and there was a story, it was Gay Mardi Gras weekend, there was a story, the bisexual community had been excluded from the Gay, the gay Mardi Gras ball. It was like, and the bisexual community were outraged. And, you know, it's just... Well, there's an article recently I saw where they're trying to take the L out of LGBTIQAX+. Well, because there's a lot of lesbians who are very concerned, the feminist lesbians who are very concerned about the trans That's what community. happened at this point yeah. in the UK. They were, yeah, they were yeah, protesting. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's a mess. Look, and you get into this gender politics, you'll go nuts. Yeah. Um, the point is... There isn't a community like everybody else. We're not defined by our sexuality. We're defined by what we believe in our character and the things that we think. And there are many uh, conservative people in the gay community who have campaigned for acceptance and are looking on what's going on now and saying, this is endangering what we've won. You know, the base, you know, there's a point where I think it was some, who's the... Uh, African-American comedian who's always getting Chappelle, Chappelle. Dave Chappelle, <laughs> you know, where, where, I mean, he has a fantastically hilarious sketch on the whole LGBTQ thing, why they don't agree with each other. And it's, it's hilarious. Yeah. But, um, but, but, uh, you know, I, I forgot the point I was going to make there, but he, he, you know, he says that, that, um, you know, that, oh, that's right. Yeah. There's a point where it's time to go, okay, you know, we've had a win. Let's just pull back now. Yep. You know, we're pushing society to this limit. And it's been hijacked, of course, as we all know, by the neo-Marxists. And so... But that was always I, there. That's yeah. the mistake a lot of people make. I mean, you can go back to the early feminist movement in the 19th century and they, the socialists, the Marxist socialists, uh, there's a distinction there, but not a big distinction. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and the uh, the radical feminists all associated in the same sort of circles. Yeah. I mean, the, the Swedish socialist magazine called uh, Lucifer, uh, which meant Liberator, which was a socialist magazine, was matched by the feminist the Theosophist magazine of the same name with the same page in the United States, which was promoting um, radical uh, feminist agenda. And uh, what's his name? Uh, Bryce Percy Shelley wrote in um in one of his poems i think in the early uh 1800s i might get the date wrong i'm not good with dates even though i'm a historian it's the dates i never remember that basically the goal of the feminist movement was to destroy all inverted commas detestable gender distinctions so it was always there and i would i, I would just i just want to ask you a question it's a simple question what do you think about those christians in the past who predicted we'd get to where we are today what do you think about that well, I think they were clearly right. <laughs> but I think, you know, I, I, I do think that we are called upon as Christians not to judge. We're called upon to have a certain degree of acceptance. I know Dave would make the distinction between the idea and the person. Um, but without... We need you know, to be gracious. We can sit on a spectrum of different views on that. Yeah. I think we agree that where we are today is troubling for a number of reasons. Yeah, because, yeah. It, you know, again, it's, it, and they always have through history, right? It, it, the, 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 the Marxists have always attached themselves to whatever oppressed group they can find or created. And the goal is to create constant tension yeah, and to yeah, undermine traditional Western society. And to do that, you've got to constantly be pushing. You've got, you, it's, it's not that... Um, it's gotten out of control. It's that it was always going to get out of control. That was the design. Yeah, uh, right, right. right. On, on uh, this, okay. on okay. on this issue, I'll just Sorry. say, like, we've gone off topic a little bit. Sorry. <laughs> there, there, there is back to reality. Yeah. <laughs> Casual conversation. It goes where it goes. <laughs> just on this point about acceptance, or you say there should be no vilification. The question is, what is vilification? Because if I stand up and say. I think marriage is between a man and a woman. You have every right to say no, that. But most people, I can tell you that statement, by and large, is going to constitute vilification. Yeah, which is the absurd. moment you give a reason for it. Yeah. Okay? Like if you say, oh, I believe marriage is between a man and a woman, 
because whatever comes after the because constitutes vilification. Yeah. Really? Okay. Yeah. That, essentially, that's, that's how um, anti-discrimination law works. And that's important. what is like, I was never supposed to be found not guilty. It's only because I fought, but in general, whatever, whoever is running the thought police and sitting in there, Whatever comes after the because for them constitutes vilification. Yeah. And just on this whole, like you said before, I think if you get involved in the gender politics, you go crazy and you will. This whole transgender uh, onslaught we are facing right now is not something separate to the 1970s. It is the logical extension of this idea that gender uh, and sex in marriage is replaceable. And if it's replaceable, in a relationship, why isn't it replaceable in a person or interchangeable? Like it just—it's it, worse just... than the logical conclusion, though. It's—it's it's the intended conclusion, the designed, strategized, uh, boasted, published, documented intention of the activists from the not just the seventies but the sixties and the fifties. This is absolutely where they said they would take us. Yeah, and just on this point, like I'll just say this: like if you, I, I'm, there's all sorts of reasons why people might be afflicted with um, homosexual tendencies, for instance. Uh, and you know, you can look at them; you don't need to be judgmental about them. But practically, if you say I can replace the woman in a relationship, why can't you say I can be a woman? Because that's effectively what's happened. To go back even further, if gender distinctions don't exist, which was the argument of the 19th century feminism, then there are no boundaries, which is where we are today. In fact, boundaries are now considered restrictive and evil. What was I listening to? World Without Boundaries. What was I listening to? It was a song where I mentioned it just the other day. That We are now in that world where if you assert boundaries, as Bernard has just said, you are now vilifying those who don't want to live within boundaries. Uh, so I, I would argue that, you know, a fruit, a tree is produced, a tree produces its natural fruit, if that makes sense. Mm. I think that there's a bit of different shift. Like, you know, if you go back to the gay rights movement of the 70s, which was all about acceptance and stopping the gay bashings and all that sort of stuff, um, it, it was, uh, you know, pretty much where the message was we're born this way, right? This is how God made me. Uh, you know, therefore, I shouldn't be beaten up. I shouldn't be vilified. I should be able to just live in a nice, normal, live a nice, normal lifestyle as a, as a gay person without saying this is the norm. We've gone from born this way to to the exact opposite, Yeah, you can't, which, is, born... which is now everybody's <laughs> got to decide what they are. And, and it's all not biological. It's all uh, a choice. In those days, it would have been a disaster to the gay rights movement to say, oh, it's a choice. I mean, people used to say that it's a lifestyle choice, and you should choose differently. It'd be like, well, no, I'm born this way. It's biological. It's deep in me. I, you know, I didn't, I didn't suddenly wake up one morning and decide I was going to be gay. I had this, you know. Uh, but that's no excuse I, before God. But sorry, no. sorry, I, I don't believe in this born this way. Like some people might yeah. genuinely have a tendency that is within their character. I think it's very but, deep in some people. But if you read, I don't doubt it is sometimes. And I'm, but, but if that, you read the testimonies of various homosexual people, like let's take um, who was that American um, that he, he was he was really controversial. He's kind of uh, just dropped off. He was homosexual. He worked. He 
What's his name? Know, the, talking he, about the, the conservative. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dave Rubin or no, Douglas no, no, Murray no. Or... He was, he would, and the Australia wouldn't let him come in. Oh, uh, Milo, yes, yeah, Milo, 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 oh, yeah, Milo. and I should. Okay, <laughs> he's more a provocateur. Than no, but yes, Milo, yes. but so this story. Oh, Milo's now yes sorry. is not unusual. He has publicly stated uh, that he was abused as a child. Mm. Okay, and that is a very common story in a lot of. Um, homosexual stories and it's actually very sad and it, I think it's a terrible thing um, but you cannot discount those kind of experiences affecting someone um, and uh, having a huge impact on their life absolutely which is why I think those those um, incidents are truly evil because of the damage they inflict on a person for the rest of their life I'm just saying I don't think all no uh, I'm not saying all, all I'm not all, saying that all, I think there are obviously there are differences in I mean, but the human argument, sexuality is complicated. The argument is, actually is that it's all that if you, and, and that's why. Uh, a, well, now it is, yeah. Like you said it's before, bloody ridiculous. You said it's before, like, why don't this is my um, point. You know, right-thinking, sensible people experiencing same-sex attraction. Uh, why don't they come out and, and condemn the 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 activists who are, are manipulating and abusing the legal system? And that's because their ideas are forbidden. They're not allowed to say, uh, they're not allowed to countenance there's any valid criticism of homosexuality. The The whole agenda has become, uh, it's, it's as immutable as race and gender, which, you know, we obviously believe gender is immutable. You, you don't get to change it. It's not yeah. fluid. But I think um, that's the distinction. And, and I mean, you, you believe it's not immutable. I believe, I believe it's not, it is immutable. But and, and you believe it's it's changeable. But I mean, I don't share that to, view. To use the Marxist language, you're just erasing everybody who's former homosexual, um, who says no sexuality. No, I'm not. No, that's all right. Uh, you're allowed to. Change. Well, the the language. There is, are people on the spectrum. The language spe is terrible. It's the old spectrum. Sexual but it's a bell. My point is, it's a bell curve, and these are the extremes of the bell curve, right? And what the current LGBTQ mob are trying to do is push it to the norm. They're trying to stick it in the middle of the bell curve and say. Oh look! Everybody has to consider their gender. Every child needs to yeah, consider their just, sexuality. Well, that, that's which rubbish. Just, it's just insane. But it's just insane. On, on, on that, we agree. Uh, but, on, yes. on the biological, <laughs> on the biological, <laughs> I, I think you, there's there's a dangerous downside to your argument right. about this whole born with it thing. Because I'm not saying people are born with certain tendencies or interests or desires, but uh, you know, love actually is a choice. Okay. So, but is your sexuality a choice? No, I can be a choice. You don't wake up and go, you, you, you know, I'm I'm a 13 year old boy. I'm evolving into my sexuality, and I notice that I like the boys in my class more than the girls in my can class. Can I ask that? I'm gay. Something like 90, right? something like 90 of young men who are experiencing same sex feelings of same sex attraction will grow out of it if they're left alone. Um, so the immutability, the immutability of it is an absolute myth. Uh, unlike race and gender and those things that God certainly did create, but the the pernicious invasiveness of of this propaganda from the left is basically saying if you dare counsel or uh, or um, coach right, right, a, a right. person experiencing gender confusion or sexual confusion, and as Bernie's saying, hmm. if you try and explore and find the the triggers and um, traumas in their life which have have led them to pursue disordered behaviours. Some of them. Yeah, I, I totally validate that their but, feelings are natural. 
um, and that yeah. their feelings. But it doesn't always uh, come perhaps... from child abuse. No, no, I mean, no, 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 it always no. does. I'm saying nobody's allowed to explore those things. And, that's right. And any, that's what's wrong. Any conversation to the different is is forbidden, and it's absolutely fascistic that you're not allowed to provide talk therapy to people experiencing either sexual confusion well, or gender confusion. I totally it's affirming. Can I come at this from a I different totally angle? A different, uh, I think kids are incredibly, incredibly impressionable. Incredibly, in fact, they're designed to be, and they're also designed by, I believe this is scripturally, but also historically and practically, they're designed to be raised within very clear boundaries. And when you, when you raise kids within those boundaries, they very naturally fall into their natural roles mm. as boys and girls. And in fact, uh, it's one of the reasons why, and I've actually been uh, taught on this quite a bit, the, the very traditional male-female separation of gender roles. One of the reasons I, I believe this is so important is, bec is because of our kids. So many kids grow up confused because their parents aren't presenting a clear gender role. And this is not just in, outside the church, this is within the church. If you actually, if men are men and women are women and you, you raise kids in that environment, they very naturally fall into line with that and they flourish. And we've flourished for a long time by following gender roles just like this. What, what the problem Most kids is, will accept the fraction, the small fraction who don't. But what, and then the they're going to suffer and feel like they're outside. And then you get the suicides and then you get the problems. Well, well the problem with liberalism, that's, that's is, the problem with liberalism is, is it's throwing out all the boundaries. Yes. And it said there are no boundaries. And they, if you say those boundaries, like that's when it goes too far. And that's what's happened with the modern left. It's got, it's taken that to its logical conclusions yeah. of extre extremism. Yeah. Look, I'm just, and I actually agree with- I think there has to be acceptance without normalization. Yep. That's but what is accepted? But hold on, because I don't accept that it's moral. Okay. okay. And yeah, let's no, get no, back no, to your no. biological point. You're the if you take your biological point to its ultimate conclusion, yep. effectively you're degrading them of their ability to make free will, choice, and their humanity. You're turning them into animals where they cannot control uh, their emotions, their desires. Their human instincts, they have no control over. Or their it. behavioral decisions. It, and, and it is actually a very degrading argument when you take it to its logical conclusion because i believe everybody but sexuality human sexuality sexuality is a is powerful an, force that it's churches, an action including my own the catholic church have failed to deal with yes very because well. they've allowed themselves to be ruled by it rather than ruling over it and by ruling over it i don't mean redefining it i agree with bernie we have to challenge sin we have to call sin sin and we can't let it define us uh, we we have to define ourselves by an objective standard and as, as christians but what happened in, in, in a lot of the churches and a lot of societies, they, they, they unleashed sexuality and let it rule them. And that's what- the And they become them. slaves to it. Yeah, exactly. So, so, like, so what do you mean by acceptance? If by acceptance you mean we don't want a society where police are barging into someone's bedroom at three o'clock in the morning because of their, you know, who they've discovered. Well, I don't, want to, no, I don't, I don't want, want to see that. I don't want to have a gay son that gets beat up at school. You know, I, I, and no, I, I think most people don't want that. We all agree. Yeah. But, but just on, on this, like, I think there's a lot of myth about this. And so this whole, this like this whole gay bashing thing, for instance, like, there's going to be an inquiry in New South Wales about this. You have to understand actually the practical circumstances of what went on in a lot of, the, lot of these cases. You, what you have is people who are meeting in public places like toilets, et cetera, Okay, where they literally can be caught with their pants down, and other like it it breeds criminal actions. Like it, it breeds blackmail. It, it breeds drug. Action. It breeds. Plus, there was a lot of abuse involved, and so you had young blokes who had been abused taking their frustrations out. I'm not saying any of this is good. I'm just saying if you understand actually what happens, it's like saying. I don't believe a drug dealer should be shot. Well, of course, I don't believe they should be shot. But you start doing that, you know, you're going to 
put yourself in an environment where that thing tends to happen. There's a natural anarchy that goes with uh, certain behaviour. So you said, like with, like with drug addicts, I mean, it's often associated with a lot of crime for obvious reasons. Yeah. So this is the kind of discussion that ought to be allowed, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. So exactly. because you learn, you grow, you move. I, you know, I mean, I don't think we probably totally 100% agree on this, but the point is we're having the conversation and we're having a debate and it should be permissible to do that in a free society. We shouldn't be told by government what we can and what we can't discuss and talk about and we can't constantly be running off to the court saying, X, Y, Z hurt my feelings. Yeah. These things are on the boundaries of society. And this is my point about the, the trans uh, movement and the risk that it's posing uh, to people who have my views on, on this, that, you know, we, we are at the risk of losing some of the understanding and acceptance that we have, whether you believe that it's immutable or not, um, uh, whether you believe you can change someone who's gay or not. And I think there, there's evidence that in certain cases you can, in some cases you can't. But, 100%. you know, it's, it's, this, is, this, is, this is a very different conversation to, to, having a, to saying to people, we can't talk about anything, you can't even hint that it's wrong. We're just going to blanket, make it absolutely correct. And when you start, when the gay Mardi Gras turns from a political uh, march in, in the interests of, of acceptance into a you know, a perversion of men dancing around half naked or naked in some cases in front of children. Sorry, I got a bit of a problem with that. You know, Damien, I want to and, ask and... you to comment on this comment from Jade Fatali. Uh, she says, a pack of bigots. It's not the LGBT community pushing anything. The activists are the same people that get offended on behalf of others. They are straight and have... Uh, no actual ties with the LGBT community. Why can't you just let people be people, live and let live, instead of pushing your fascist views on, on everyone? We'll get each of you actually to comment on that just briefly. Uh, but Damien, you first. I don't understand it. <laughs> Sorry, he's <laughs> saying that. Who's the fascist? <laughs> uh, apparently, uh, we, this panel, oh, are a pack of bigots. Okay. Right, we're a pack of bigots. Um, and, well, that's tolerant. That's uh, and our views are fascist. And right. we're pushing them on. But there was something about straight people being the ones that are. Yeah, there's uh, some activists who get offended on behalf of others. Obviously, she hasn't been listening to the first half if of the that's show her view, talking about Gary Burns. If that's her view, why isn't she doing that? Why is she doing the opposite by pushing her views? <laughs> exactly. So, uh, fair, fair comment. Uh, uh, do you want to think about it for a second, uh, Bernie? Yeah, yeah, I've got something to say. Sorry, Jay. I, 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 <laughs> I wish uh, this worked the way you say it does. Uh, but I have been in court for eight years with a uh, gay activist, he describes himself. That's how he describes himself. It's taken me to court for eight years uh, because I happen to have different views than him. Uh, so it's not me pushing this. I'm the one that's been dragged uh, and it's happening all the time. It's Christians who are losing their jobs, losing their houses, losing their reputations, having their schools interfered with, even having their churches destroyed. This has been happening in Australia over the last 10 years, unfortunately. That is where the persecution is coming from. And during the same-sex marriage campaign, we had gay activists proudly holding up signs calling for churches to be burnt down. That's what they're calling for, uh, and it's happened. We've had buildings blown up in Canberra because of this stuff. Yeah. Um, I understand it now, Dave. 
I've caught up. <laughs> <laughs> this is <laughs> this is the classic gaslighting we get all the time now from the left, which is, you know, uh, we've set all these things in motion. We're the great complainers, the great... Oh, but when you respond, we're going to accuse you of making a thing out of everything. You know, you're the ones that are pushing all this cultural Marxism nonsense. You're the ones that are saying that it's all out there. It's not It's not real. You're just a crazy right-wing nut job who thinks that there are reds under the bed every time. Nope, it's real. And yeah. it's not coming from us. It started with the universities, with the education system, with a very coordinated attacks on our values, uh, on conservatism, on right-wing thinking, on liberal uh, uh economic thinking on free markets on capitalism um it is deliberate it is uh, uh pushed deliberately upon us and it is the culturally dominant paradigm in australia you only have to go and live in another country for five seconds to see that mm -hmm. so i'm sorry but we are not the ones creating these problems these problems are being created by the left don't you dare gaslight us by saying that in responding to that we are somehow perpetuating it we are not. We'd like it to go away. Thank you very much. And I'd like to be able to go to work and not have uh, pride uh, marches and rainbows and everything shoved down my throat by the HR department. Not because I'm, uh, you know, not accepting of, I've made it pretty clear on this panel that I am accepting of, of uh, the small percentage of people that are of a different sexual orientation, but we are in a position now where we're going way too far and we're imposing on people and we're attacking people and we're vilifying people and we're chasing people and that's got nothing to do with the right thanks very much it's got everything to do with the left and bernie's position is evidence of that so i understand now that Thank but you. you do like pronouns in your email address don't I you don't start me on pronouns <laughs> uh, okay. only pronouns i want for me are sir and your majesty Guys, do you reckon we should uh, try and get some of these other topics in or let's make the whole hour on this one? No, I damn well want to get this topic All in. Right, I'm right. outraged. I'm outraged. Speaking of... Wake up, never outraged. Speaking uh, about uh, moral ambiguity and moving boundaries and uh, things that were once uh, clear and obvious to everyone but um, are now not so clear... Uh, with anarchy and and uh, whatever goes goes and just get along to get along go along we're going to have a chat uh, about one university newspaper and uh, greens politician who basically thinks the rule of law should go out the window when it's convenient damien what's brisbane city councillor jonathan sri Jonathan Sri was now Jonathan Sri Ranganathan uh, because he changed his name uh, to his original Tamil name, which is perfectly fine. Uh, he is the councillor for the Gabba Ward, the Wool and Gabba Ward of uh, Brisbane City Council, uh, which covers the inner Brisbane suburbs of East Brisbane, Wool and Gabba, Kangaroo Point, Dutton Park, Hager Hill, South Brisbane, and West End, which is the woke sort of part of Brisbane for those those people in the state who are watching us. Um, uh, this is the said councillor. And uh, let's go back about a week or so ago. You might have seen him on the Today Show. He was talking, uh, being interviewed on that national television program after he came out uh, and uh, suggested um, that uh, people should just go and squat in the homes that are empty in Brisbane. He said that there are about a million homes around Australia that are empty. Uh, this is green. This is green math for you. Green math coming at you right now. Uh, a million homes across Australia that are empty, 20,000 of them in Brisbane. So the other 980,000 are evenly distributed around <laughs> Sydney, Melbourne, Perth and Adelaide. Oh, uh, your heart, Jonathan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, green math. 
but that people ought to be able to, you know, he didn't, he, yeah, he, he very carefully put at the bottom of his Facebook post that he wasn't recommending anybody break the law, but he did give a very, very surprisingly detailed breakdown of how you can find these houses on the council website by going and logging in and looking up, you know. Where, Are you where, serious? Yeah, oh, yeah. Dogs, oh, it was a great people's detail. houses. Did he? He went specific? No, 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 no. He just said these are the these are the resources that the council has, the Brisbane City Council has, where you can go and find out uh, who is and who isn't resident in the house that they own. So where are these empty houses around Brisbane? And you can squat in them. All right. Wow. Now, how can you do that? uh, As Christians, uh, and 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 uh, you know, I'm I'm all for people having shelter, and I I think if people want to go and ask if they can stay in someone else's house, that's a good thing. Uh, and that the person who probably owns the house should should do that. But I would want a little lease that says you're going to leave my house in better condition than you found it. It's going to be nice and clean. And something tells me, something tells me, I don't know what, but something tells me that the Greens and their friends probably aren't going to do that. Um, leave it in good condition. Uh, that's nasty, but, but you know what I mean. So uh, <laughs> anyway, okay, so he's broken the law. He's broken the law. Now, the Lord Mayor of Brisbane, who's a Liberal Party Lord Mayor, Adrian Schritter, lovely bloke, uh, was questioned by a, a friend of mine on <laughs> on a social media platform as to whether he was going to take action against uh, this particular Greens councillor. And he well, said... I think it meets the threshold for incitement. It possibly does. Yeah. However, uh, he, he said, oh, it's nothing I can do about what a councillor says. And that's not true because there are a code of operating ethics for the councillors. Right? Oh, so there's plenty he could have done. It's plenty he could have done. Very high. Uh, also, remember, councils are corporations. They're not, they don't have any constitutional right yeah, to exist. They come under state government yeah. legislation and state governments can sack councils. They can certainly sack councillors. Um, so, yes, I think there's a case for incitement to be, I mean, if, if you can arrest a woman, a pregnant woman in front of her children for writing something on Facebook, um, asking exactly people to come to so. a protest, exactly. why can't you arrest somebody who is, well said. Uh, you know, doing this and actually talking about a crime? Okay, so he went on tel- national television and said, okay, you can squat, blah, 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 um, defended this position and then doubled down this week um, with this new uh, endorsement of this article uh, which appeared in the University of Queensland, which is another institution that needs to have a good, long, hard look at itself. Mm-hmm. The University of Queensland's uh, news pa- student union newspaper, Semper Floria, which has always been a left-wing abomination, but anyway, um, you expect that in a university and it's healthy discourse. Uh, but, you know, to have a councillor coming out and saying that he endorses an article about how to shoplift, which is what this was, all right? So I just want to... I just want to tell you a little bit about what what was said in that article. So uh, the the University of Queensland student magazine has defended the article, um, saying that students are struggling with exorbitant living costs and therefore need to know how to shoplift. They published this hypothetical guide to shoplifting. They call it thrifting, free shopping. Thrifting, it's got a name, free shopping. Someone (laughs) always has to pay, kiddies, nothing's free. Thought the Uh, name was shoplifting. Yeah, exactly, (laughs) exactly. Um, it's a it's 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 a legitimate action for the working class to take in the ongoing class war. Wow. Is that Marxist rhetoric again? Staying above the poverty line for many is a full time job. Well, if they had a full time job, they'd probably be well above the poverty line, or <laughs> heavens above, that somebody should actually seek to. You said staying above the poverty line is a full time job. job. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to planet Earth. And, and, and we have a full time job. That's right. Um, 
And oh, but there aren't enough jobs. No, there are now. There's too many jobs. Yeah, really and, and also, uh, this is what's cracking cracks me up about the left. They never think they always worry about other people, but they never think about creating a job for someone else. One of my favorite lines on Twitter is to respond to people saying, and have you created a job for anybody lately? Because as any small business person will tell you, there's nothing more terrifying than sitting up at night wondering if you're going to make payroll or not. Yeah, um, like we're going to need more police. Yeah. So uh, the, the hype, I'm, I'm quoting pedestrian.tv website. I never know what that is, but they wrote an article on this. Uh, the hypothetical guide provided students with tips on safety, safely shoplifting from grocery stores and clothing stores. Um, and adopting a character to divert attention from yourself. So how to play a role so it doesn't look like you're the typical stereotypical shoplifter. Um, but what cracks me up, uh, the subtle art of shoplifting was the name of the, the article. Um, and uh, the, uh, the article stunned a lot of students, uh, but Brisbane Greens councillor Jonathan Sriraganathan defended the semi-serious hypothetical guide on Facebook and called for privileged people to understand how difficult it is for vulnerable Australians relying on welfare payments to survive. When your income is so far below the poverty line that it's almost impossible to afford to eat healthily, pay the rent, pay your other bills and replace things that wear out from time to time. He said, there's a lot of stigma around stealing because it's seen as a moral failing of the individual. Well, they were born that way. Even in, oh, stop it. <laughs> Even in progressive circles, many of us shy away from talking about it because we don't want to reinforce the harmful, damaging and inaccurate stereotypes that people on low incomes are dishonest and unethical. But I think we need to change that head on and say that people, if people are stealing, it's not because they're bad people. It's because our current economic system is fundamentally broken. It allows the rich to get richer while the poor sleep on the sleep. And it's 100% ethically justifiable for people on low incomes to steal food from major supermarkets like Woolworths and Coles, while it was somewhat less defensible to steal from small and independent businesses. So, I mean... In actual fact, it's, 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 it's probably stealing from Kmart the Kmart probably has the lowest margins of all in terms of getting product to the shelf as cheaply as it possibly can. And the stuff that you can buy in Kmart for 75 cents that's produced in China using poor, you know, practically, you know, la labor that's that's rather exploited. Um, that's what you're, you're supporting when you're stealing. OK, that's who you're stealing from. You're stealing from those people and you're stealing from other Australians and you're stealing from uh, the people who work at Kmart. Stealing, stealing isn't a solution. I, I love what it says here in Proverbs. It, it says, remove from me. Far from me, falsehood and lying. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with food that is needful for me, lest I be full and deny you and say, who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of God. I mean, this proverb is, is we're praying, the guy's praying, his name's Adieu. Lord, please protect me from falling into poverty so that I don't feel tempted to sin. It's a sin. It's not justifiable. It's a sin. But I mean, I mean a lot of these students, there's a simple solution to this stop studying and get a job that you can afford to live with. And then when you can afford, go back and study. If you can't afford to live out of home, live with your parents. There are ways to study. I mean, I didn't finish my studies until I was in my 30s because I made some um, bad financial decisions when I was younger. And then I had to slowly study part time. And I took a long time to do my studies because I wanted to do it in a way where I could afford to live as well. The solution is not stealing. The solution is restructuring your life. But I do want to say something which some of you guys may or may not agree with. Uh, this is to be expected, this kind of anarchy, because there is there is some genuine criticisms of where our system is going. Mm -hmm. 
I mean, this is another thing from the scriptures, and one of the reasons I love being on this podcast is I can sometimes open the Bible and apply it which, to these discussions. But it says it in Isaiah. Censorship free. Even scriptures are allowed. <laughs> yeah. Gosh, that's really radical. Yeah. <laughs> this is in Isaiah, and this is something which I've been teaching on since I was a young pastor. And this problem is starting to now bear the fruit that was always going to happen. Woe to those who join house to house, who add field to field until there is no more room, and you are made to dwell alone in the midst of the land. The Bible warns that if some people are allowed to buy up too many houses, then you're going to create a poverty class where people will not be able to afford to live. And so my my, my encouragement to the wealthy out there is you need to start forgiving people the money they owe you and be generous. I love what Damien said before. If you do have a spare home, maybe you need to find a family who's struggling and help them live in it. Maybe it's cheap rent. Mm. Maybe take an L, a loss. I mean, uh, if, if we don't start doing this, this anarchy is going to increase. Yeah. It's, it's just going to increase. Now, the solution is not to sin to those students. The solution is not to steal. The solution to counselors should not be encouraging people to steal. There's many other ways to deal with this. I know as a student who had to work, I delivered home, and then for some time my wife my wife worked full-time or I worked part-time. I cleaned toilets uh, it, you know, in a school to make money. Good on you. Um, I did, you've got to, do the, you've got to do the kind of jobs that you don't want to do because that pays a little bit more than some other jobs. Right. There's other ways to deal with this. And I'm not I hope you can see I don't like compassion for these people who are struggling. Yeah. But sin is not the solution. And And not to criticize the the economics of the Old Testament, because we built our laws on a lot of that. But I would also just add, we need to understand that the problem here from an economic perspective is a supply problem. It's not a demand problem. We don't have enough housing and we don't have enough housing, I believe, because we're not letting those who can invest in housing uh to to invest freely yep. and to build the kind of is that because of green because green of... green laws bingo uh, funny that I would, I would like to see simple. i would like to see a good counselor because he's advocating that i'd like to see him in jail at the moment because i think this is criminal well look um, I, I want him to do i want him to get the best out of him okay so yeah, we've right. seen him advocate for people to go and take other people's stuff i would like to see him you know he's walked He's talk the talk. Let's see him walk the walk. If he actually really believes that uh, people who are well off should be helping out, well, I'd like to see him give away what he's got to help these people and instead of sending them off I think he opens somewhere up his, else. his electoral office for free breakfasts and things every every week. He's not very committed Paid to Paid for personally that. out of his own pocket? No, that would be the council pay for that. would be ratepayers pay for that. Well, what about his own yeah, personal? Put, put when is he, is, he is saying go and take someone else's stuff. When is he giving his stuff away to yeah. address his problem? Um, so he's passionate about housing affordability and active transport. Good. Uh, he, he was elected for a second term in March 2020 council elections. He believes neoliberal capitalism is a broken, corrupt, and violent system that all political representatives must work to resist well, it's not and violent. transform. Well, it's the system that's made, that's delivered more people from poverty than any other political system or economic system on the planet ever. But no so, system this, is this, perfect, and our system no, is that's starting right. to break because... It's the most passive system in world history. It's the least conflicted system. He studied law at the University of Queensland. You kid. <laughs> so he doesn't doesn't practice the law, but he, he did. And, and see, this is the problem when people divorce themselves from the moral lawgiver: is this this uh, uh, positivism in in legal circles, which says if you have the authority, uh, if you have the numbers, the majority, the power, then any law you make is the law. Uh, but I'm 
I'm a legal conservative. I believe there is a moral lawgiver and natural law is discoverable, um, but it's also mutable. It doesn't change with time and context. And, and uh, I mean, tiny little regulations like what speed obviously do, but things like uh, do not steal, do not murder, uh, you know, tell the truth. These are flowing from the throne of God and any honest pursuing legal mind can discover these laws. Uh, and so Jonathan is perpetuating a fraud by suggesting uh, it's sometimes okay to steal. No, it's not. It's absolutely not. And what Matthew advocated... Someone's hurting when you steal. That's it. Ab absolutely. Period, and know, what Matthew advocated, uh, you know, the, the scriptural co concept of generosity with some detail, um, you know, the difference between that and socialism is it's voluntary mm. and it comes out of generosity. Compelled generosity is just theft. It's not. I know a wealthy. Not, I know a wealthy Queensland businessman living in in Portugal at the moment who is uh, going around doing door to door uh, giving of, of of clothes and food to people because in Portugal the social security is pretty low. Yep. Uh, and you have to work, and people get out and work because they have to get out and work. But even so, and then you see the natural. Now he gets a lot of sense of satisfaction out of that. And that's part of his spiritual development and growth, which we deny people when we we put the state in charge of. Well, of, Jesus of said it's wealth. better to it's more blessed to give than to receive. Yeah, absolutely. so that, that's that is natural, and, and not to be. I'd love to embarrassed I, I, if I had a vacant house. I would love to rent it out to to a family that needed it. I would. All I would ask is that you know that you're going to get it back in good condition, um, and and that. You know, uh, the, the and in this age of, and people will appreciate you know and, what they're given instead of just expecting and, that they're entitled to. And what the like university brats. newspaper and Jonathan are promoting or perpetuating is this um, age of entitlement, where it's because I need it, therefore I have a right to take it um, or, or to treat it any way I want, um, and because you're rich or because you are the the landlord and you own this asset. Which doesn't mean you're rich, by the way. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, well, I mean, that, serious, serious, serious debt. Yeah. Um, you know, there's this, this, this is absolutely Marxism, and and people who deny uh, cultural Marxism don't you fail to grasp the obvious. The whole concept is about divisiveness, dividing populations and real communities um, according to imagined class differences, and and the reality is that like that. What we need is voluntary generosity. And in this age where government is magnified and exalted and amplified, uh, the, it's treated like a public utility. The more government, the better. But the reality is um, that the less government, the better, to a certain extent. We don't want anarchy. Uh, and the more community, the better. Yeah. The more... And real church, community. Real community. And it doesn't have to be Christian. You had uh, things like... Um, the Benevolent Society, which were around 100 years ago, and it was like a, a union, a, a membership club that people would pay fees to. But the whole idea was distribution of generosity. Yeah. Um, but it was local and it was relational. It wasn't distant, cold and clinical like yeah. Satanlink. I mean, Centrelink. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, look, anyway, coming back to the shoplifting thing, I mean, look at what's happening in America where you've now got California legislating that a certain amount of shoplifting won't be policed. It's legal anarchy. Uh, yeah, it's legalized anarchy, and is this is this is exactly where 
these guys want to take us. We have to understand that the Greens are not a Green Party and we have to stop voting for them. They are not where your protest vote should go. They are not people who look after the environment primarily. They use green issues to, to advance socialist views. We've got Elizabeth Watson Brown, the woman who defeated me in the seat of Ryan uh, and defeated the incumbent Liberal, really, um, uh, in the seat of Ryan, uh, not even having the, uh, which is one of the inner city seats in Brisbane because we didn't have any teals up here, but she doesn't even fly the Australian flag in her office. And Senator James McGrath, one of the LNP senators, I don't uh, praise the LNP very much, but I will say that Senator McGrath got it right this time. He sent a flag, an Australian flag, to her office and said, you might want to know the history of this flag. You might want to fly it, right? And showed a picture of her office on Facebook with the Aboriginal flag and the Torres Strait Islander flag there on the wall and no no Australian flag on the wall. Um, Senator Paul Scar has gotten up today in Parliament and, uh, and furthered that criticism of Elizabeth Watson. Brown. Shame on them. Ab well, uh, well did the people of Ryan know that that was what they were voting for? When 30.3% of them voted for Elizabeth Watson Brown, did they know that they were voting for this kind of yeah. utter disregard for our nation? Compare that to the to Dai Li, uh, the Vietnamese-Australian um, uh, uh, refugee uh, child. She was a child. She came over as a refugee. She grew up here. She appreciates the country. Uh, she, her maiden speech was yesterday, and I just urge everybody to find that maiden speech and watch it. Um, it's if you, if, particularly if you're a socially concerned human being. She works in the port, one of the poorest electorates. They, the, the Labor Party parachuted Christina Keneally into that electorate, thinking she'd win it easily. It'd be a safe seat for her. She lost to Dai Li uh, because Dai Li is a member of the community, and uh, and she had some pretty strong things to say about the evils of communism, having grown up. Uh, in, in Vietnam. She's one of the few independents that isn't a teal, isn't backed by Simon Holmes at court, uh, and isn't isn't a fake independent. She's a real independent. And she won because she's a true... You know, she is the archetype of what Australian politicians uh, who truly represent their electorates um, should be and can be, I think. She's yeah. a terrific lady. So have a look at that speech. Really great speech. Yeah, so I find this interesting. I, I other people might not. You know, the Australian flag is older than the Aboriginal flag and the Torres Strait Islander flag. It's older. Of course. People don't, I, I know, it, but people don't often think about that. What does well, that actually mean? It means that that symbol has been a symbol of our nation. Uh, it's older than those other flags. Those other flags are actually very new, recent yeah, creations. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so I'm not that I'm having got the people who created them or anything, but the Australian yeah. flag is older. Look, nothing should be flown. When I lived in Hong Kong, you were not allowed to fly the Hong Kong flag, the new one that replaced the one with the Union. Jack in 1997 when they handed back to China, which was the Bohemia flower, which is the flower of Hong Kong. That flag was never allowed to be flown higher than the Chinese national flag. And, it should, and that's wow. exactly what we should do. We should have, and I think it actually says in our flag guidelines that it's supposed to be always in the position of prominence. Yeah. Yet you go past. They get um, it wrong all the time. Well, you go past that building. The, the, I think there's the, a lot of ignorance. The Tower of Power in Brisbane, in central Brisbane, we've got this one building all the state government mm -hmm. departments are in. They're flying it wrong? Well, there are four flags outside of that. If you come off the freeway at the Ma Margaret Street exit, you can look and you can see there are four flags. And it's the, and it's the Australian flag on the left, the Queensland flag beside it, the Aboriginal flag next to it and the Torres Strait Islander all flying at the same height. That's per right? etiquette. Yes, but it, well, the, in the my etiquette. view, the Australian no, the, the, flag has to be in a position of prominence. It needs to be above. Well, the, it needs to fly higher or I, it needs to be in the middle. I like your suggestion. Uh, the the, the, the etiquette the is the flag on the left the, the, in an oh, even it, number. It's the, yeah. it's the one of prominence. Oh, if yeah. it's an odd number... The flag in the middle is the one of prominence. Yeah, yeah but oh. although the issue the, the issue is not about etiquette. The, the real issue here is that we've got one national flag, 
And no, we shouldn't have more than one national. No, buddy, we're several nations. Uh, I, we're I, a big, I we're a big pool of. I, that's the, that's no, I absolutely agree. Gentlemen, we do have to wrap it up. Matt, um, we'll come to you first for closing comments. <laughs> we're just going to run around the panel now, give uh, final thoughts for the day. And uh, before we do that, I just want to advertise that banner um, beneath. Now, the Church and State Summit is an annual gathering in Brisbane of Christian conservatives. It's a day of it's it's a conference of education training, encouragement, and equipping uh, Christians to get off their bums, get out of the pews, and actually get involved in being salt and light, a positive influence uh, for the love of neighbour, motivated by the love of neighbour and love of nation in the public square. We want to be salt and light in the public square. Now, we actually have got a super popular conference. It grows by 50% every year. We're expecting 700 people next year in Brisbane for the Church and State Summit. Uh, the details for that are on the website, churchandstate.com.au, uh, and you can buy your tickets to that um, right now. One of the things we're adding to next year's summit is a fundraising dinner. After the conference has finished, a full two days of, of program, um, and after the summit is finished, we're doing a separate ticket, a fundraiser dinner for church and state, because what we're also doing is taking this conference around Australia. We've just come back from Moree, where we did Saturday afternoon and evening uh, with four great speakers, lots of content. People who were only planning to come for half of it stayed for all of it because it's really interesting and, and well run. Good news is we're coming to Adelaide on the 5th of November, uh, and that's this year. So if you would like to come to the Church and State Conference in Adelaide, 5th of November, jump onto the website on the screen right now. For those people listening to the podcast, that's churchandstate.com.au forward slash Adelaide. You'll be able to get uh, join the waiting list there. Uh, James McPherson, Kurt Marlberg, uh, Senator Alex Antic, uh, myself, um, and some more locals from Adelaide uh, we'll be speaking at a conference not to be missed um, Saturday, 5th of November. Uh, and, of course, I also want to put this banner up now. We want everybody to come to CPAC, which is uh, a little bit before November. It's in October, a whole month before. If you're in Sydney, get along to CPAC, um, a great meeting for conservatives, people right-thinking, right of centre, not just conservatives, but uh, classical liberals, um, Liberal Party fans, um, freedom people, go to cpac.network and uh, follow the links to register your tickets and you can get a discount if you use the code GOODSOURCE with one word, no spaces, GOODSOURCE, S-A-U-C-E. Uh, Matt, let's go to you, final thoughts of the day and we'll come down the panel. So, Damien, you're next. So this flag here, a lot of people uh, might not understand the significance of the flag, but the Union Jack is represented by three flags. The flag of Scotland, Scott, the flag of Wales and Scott, the flag of England, which is the St. George flag and two versions of the St. Andrew's cross, because the Britons and the Celts believed that uh, tradition teaches that St. Andrew, yes, the apostle St. Andrew, who was one of the first followers of Jesus, brought them the gospel. And our culture is founded by people who genuinely believe these Christian traditions and beliefs. And that's why we have the Union Jack in our flag. We were founded by Great Britain. And we have the Southern Cross to represent that we are a, a Southern reflection of that culture, which was passed on down here. And if you want to learn more about how these Christian traditions are built into our background, into our nationality, into where we come from, you can read my book, co-written with Tim Grant, Defending Conscience, which I've shown you on here before. And it shows you how these traditions are deeply within our culture. 
And you can't reject them without losing your national identity. And that's what is behind a lot of the problems we spoke about today. People are rejecting traditions of where we came from, and that is creating anarchy. This is not theoretical. It's not white ivory tower theology. It has real-world consequences, and that's what we've been talking about. So let me encourage you to re-examine those traditions and cling to them. Yeah, amen. Fantastic. Damien. Yeah. Um, look, I, I, I would finish by saying that it's been a great conversation and uh, wonderful to, to have the dialogue and uh, chat and talk about these issues and uh, see where we're all united. I think we, on the right, uh, the centre-right, uh, we've got to be more cooperative. Uh, let's uh, look for the ways in which we are unified uh, we have a big enemy to, to battle at the moment, um, and and we all have to stick together to do that. So uh, we need to constantly be reminding ourselves of the ways in which we are aligned and the ways in which we are, the values that we share and the things that we care about uh, and that we agree on. Argue about the things that we disagree on, but that's realise and keep that in perspective. That's not a reason to splinter into 25 different political parties or break off into you know mm. many different groups uh, sometimes you do need to break away from some political parties but um not not <laughs> always uh but but i think we need more unification on the right in australia i think more people are waking up to the garbage that is um is this sort of left-wing woke nonsense and i think things are going to get better soon i hope yeah uh, i agree we're certainly going to get an experience in the next few years of what a taste of what socialism like. And I think added to that, uh, I mean, just a five-second comment, added to that let's just stick together and not splinter too much is, is have some patience, guys. Have some perspective. Yeah, this right. is a 50-year game. Um, so don't throw the baby out with the bathwater if what you thought was a good strategy doesn't work in one election. I mean, be teachable and take the feedback to adjust course when necessary, but still be patient. Um, Bernie. Dave. Thank you so much for having me on. Thanks, guys. Enjoyed listening and meeting both of you. And I'll have a chat afterwards. I just want to say thank you to uh, all the listeners of Palo Talk, all the viewers, and the good source uh, for the support I've received from you over the last uh, eight years from, for some of you. Uh, Dave, you've done a great yeah. job. I really appreciate it. And there is one person I really need to thank, and I'll take this opportunity again. That yeah. is my wife. Ellen, she has been an absolute rock for me. I could not have done it without her. She is wonderful. Uh, honey, I know you hate the praise, but you deserve it. Uh, well well said. Um, I, I think each of us can attest to the uh, strong foundation that a supportive wife who blesses you in your crusade and your, your fight for what's right um, does to actually um, be the best platform you can you can work from. Mm. So, yeah, well done, Ellen. Uh, you are a legend. Uh, well, that's it for this episode of um, of uh, Pello Talk. And we thank you very much for your attention and your, your time. Um, if you'd like to become a supporter uh, or you'd like to sign up to the mailing list, head to goodsource.news. Um, it's very, very uh, important that you actually put your money where your mouth is. Um, if you don't like the billion-dollar-plus budget, that the ABC has to promote left-wing ideas, the only thing you can do about it, in addition to the votes you're already casting, is help bring some funding to right-of-centre ideas, right-of-centre platforms, personalities. And I encourage you not to support just one, um, but share the love around because uh, a diversity in media 
and information is exactly uh, what we need. So we're doing our little bit and we couldn't do it without your support. Um, so please uh, keep up the good work and we will see you next week on The Good Source. Bye-bye. Today, we need a special kind of courage, not the kind needed in battle, but a kind which makes us stand up for everything that we know is right, everything that is true and honest. We need the kind of courage that can withstand the subtle corruption of the cynics so that we can show the world that we are not afraid of the future.